It was the second week of June in 1940. The Consul General had confined himself to his room. He wouldn't come out. His family was concerned. This was not like him. He was a man who found something to laugh about, even in the worst of times. But now, faced with the most consequential decision of his life, he had shut down and shut himself in his room. He refused to come out, even for meals. He wrote to his brother-in-law, Here, the situation is horrible, and I am in bed with a severe nervous breakdown. Hello, everyone. For this episode of Jesus Stories, you'll hear about a man who defied man's orders and obeyed Jehovah God. You'll find out why this gentleman wouldn't come out of his room until, well, until he had some clarity. More in a few moments. Welcome to Jesus Stories. This is the podcast which tells the stories of people who follow Jesus and write their own Jesus story in the process. I'm George Taylor, your storyteller. These podcasts come to you because of your prayer and your financial support. Thank you for that support. If you would like to join those who back us, just visit our website and find more. Go to JesusStories.info and click on the Support This Podcast tab. That's JesusStories.info. So do you know of or have a Jesus story that maybe should be told? If so, I invite you to contact me. Visit JesusStories.info. Click on the Talk to Us tab. You'll find the various ways which you can use to communicate with me. And again, that's JesusStories.info. Let's go back to our story. Since this gentleman's Jesus story is not as well known as some of the other stories I've told in previous episodes, I'm going to start by revealing his name. Aristides de Souza Mendes was a Portuguese consul general. In that position, he oversaw several consulates. These are the offices which are used to process immigration papers for individuals seeking to travel from one country to another. In his job, he had worked all over the world. At the time of our story, in 1940, he was working in Bordeaux in the southwest of France. Now, this was a turbulent time in France. Hitler's German troops had invaded France. The government had fallen, leaving Germans in charge of the nation. Refugees began moving south from Paris, seeking a way out of the country, away from the German army, away from the persecution and probable death. The Red Cross called it the greatest civilian refugee problem in French history. A New York Times correspondent wrote back home saying, nothing like it had ever been seen. In a country already 
packed with evacuees from the war zones, half the population of the Paris region, a large part of Belgium, and 10 to 12 departments of France, somewhere between 6 and 10 million persons in all are straggling along roads, in private cars, in auto trucks, on bicycles, and afoot. The French still refer to this as the Exodus. One of the cities where refugees congregated was Bordeaux. Thousands of refugees massed outside the consulate there. Two blocks away, refugees set up a camp in a large city square. And these refugees were not just the poor people. They included statesmen and ministers, ambassadors and generals, professors, artists, journalists, students, royal family members, soldiers, businessmen, priests. So Sousa Mendez reported to the Portuguese foreign ministry. And he added, there were many Jews who were already persecuted and sought to escape the horror of further persecution. Now against this backdrop, the Portuguese dictator Antonio de Oliveira Salazar had issued an edict known as Circular 14. He forbade his diplomats from offering visas to most refugees, especially those rendered, quote, stateless, end quote. Now, many of these refugees were looking for a place to settle as opposed to just passing through one country for another. The fear was that the hundreds of thousands of refugees would overwhelm the small nation of Portugal. Watching the bedlam outside his window, Sousa Mendez invited elderly, ill, and pregnant refugees to shelter in his flat above the consulate and even in the consulate itself. One evening, Sousa Mendez went in a chauffeured car to survey the scene outside. And on that trip, he met a Polish rabbi, Chaim Kruger, and his family. He invited them back to the consulate, but he told them the visas were not available for them. But Sousa Mendez did request visas for his new rabbi friend and his family, but was denied by the foreign ministry. Sousa Mendez offered the visas anyway, but Kruger denied them. It's not just me who needs help, he said, but all my fellow Jews who are in danger of their lives. And so Sousa Mendez was presented with a choice. Should he obey his government or obey his conscience? This choice was destabilizing. His son reported that his father stumbled into his bedroom as though he had been struck down by a violent disease. For three days, Sousa Mendez stayed in his bedroom. Which choice should be made? Which direction should he go? Should he follow the example of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, who told the religious council of their day, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Or should he obey his government, condemning these refugees to further misery, persecution, perhaps even death? Olivia Mattis, whose father was rescued by Sousa Mendes, said of him, most people are risk-averse. Sousa Mendez wasn't. Three days in his room, praying, thinking, pondering, more praying, 
And finally, his son reported, my father got up, apparently recovering his serenity. He was full of punch. He washed, shaved, and got dressed. Then he strode out of those bedroom, flung open the door to the chancellery, and announced in a loud voice, from now on, I'm giving everyone visas. There will be no more nationalities, races, or religions. Then our father told us that he had heard a voice, that of his conscience or of God, which dictated to him what course of action he should take, and that everything was clear in his mind. As Susan Mendez himself put it, I would rather stand with God and against man than with man and against God. That was the 17th of June, 1940. Susan Mendez began issuing visas to anyone who asked. With the help of his family, his secretary, and his friends, he set up an assembly line to issue them. One would stamp a passport, another would issue a visa number, another would make an entry into a ledger, and Susan Mendez would sign the visa. Someone would circulate through the crowd, collecting passports for processing. Once he started, Sousa Mendez did not stop. People lined up outside by the thousands for their chance at freedom. Add to this the spectacle of hundreds of children who were with their parents and shared their suffering and anguish, Sousa Mendez said several months later. All this could not fail to impress me vividly. I, who am head of a family, and better than anyone, understand what it means not to be able to protect family. As I said, Susan Mendez started and did not stop. He slept little. He exhausted himself to take care of everyone. And the people came, poor and rich, famous and unknown, all seeking refuge from the onslaught of war. On the 19th and 20th of June, the German Air Force bombed Bordeaux, increasing the intensity of the demand for papers to leave the country. But nine days into this visa-issuing frenzy, the square in Bordeaux was largely empty. Being the general consul, Sousa Mendez had other consulates under his direction. He instructed his subordinate in Toulouse to issue visas. He visited the consulate in Bayonne, where he found about 20,000 people seeking visas. Word was leaking out about the irregularities occurring in Bordeaux and other consulates in the south of France. Portugal's ambassador to Spain investigated and reported back that Sousa Mendez was out of his mind. He was informed by the dictator, Salazar, to invalidate all further visas signed by Sousa Mendez. The ambassador ordered Sousa Mendez to return to Bordeaux. Sousa Mendez instead headed south to Hendey, a French seaside town on the Spanish border. He found hundreds of refugees unable to cross into Spain because of the ambassador's order to invalidate Sousa Mendez's signed visas. For this group of refugees, Sousa Mendez negotiated with the border guards for over an hour 
and eventually they were allowed to pass. In fact, the New York Times reported that some 10,000 persons attempting to cross from France into Spain had been denied that passage because of the ambassador's order to invalidate Sousa Mendez's visas. Sousa Mendez was ordered back to Lisbon on June 24th. Taking the journey slowly, he continued issuing visas to those refugees trapped in German-occupied France. One group he happened upon had been issued visas was, but was not being allowed to pass into Spain. So he waved the group down and took them to a border crossing which had not yet received the order to invalidate his visas. Arriving in Lisbon in July of 1940, Sousa Mendes was subjected to a disciplinary hearing. Some 15 charges were leveled against him. Sousa Mendes acknowledged that some of the charges were true, and in response to those charges, he wrote, It was indeed my aim to save all those people whose suffering was indescribable. Some had lost their spouses, others had no news of missing children, others had seen their loved ones succumb to the German bombings which occurred every day and did not spare the terrified refugees. There was another aspect that should not be overlooked, the fate of many people if they fell into the hands of the enemy. I could not differentiate between nationalities as I was obeying the dictates of humanity that distinguished between neither race nor nationality. As for the charge of dishonorable conduct, when I left Bayonne, I was applauded by hundreds of people, and through me it was Portugal that was being honored. I may have erred, but if so, I did it unintentionally, having followed the voice of my conscience, which, despite the nervous breakdown I am still experiencing due to the workload, during which I spent weeks with practically no sleep, never failed to guide me in the fulfillment of my duties in full awareness of my responsibilities. The verdict was a foregone conclusion. He was guilty of disobeying higher orders during service. It was recommended that he be demoted, but that wasn't good enough for the dictator. I sentence Consul First Calas Aristides de Sousa Mendes to a penalty of one year of inactivity, with the right to one half of his rank's pay being obliged subsequently to be retired. That was the official punishment. Unofficially, Sousa Mendez and his family were blacklisted and banished. At one point, he and his family took meals at a Jewish soup kitchen intended for refugees. When challenged, he said, but we too are refugees. Sousa Mendez's actions saved hundreds and perhaps thousands of people from the persecution and horrors of a Nazi-occupied France. His action was prompted by the desire to honor his Lord and Savior Jesus, and in doing so, he wrote his own Jesus story. These Jesus stories come to you thanks to your support and your prayers. Thank you for that. You can find out how you can help by visiting us on our website, jesusstories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab. What about you? Do you have a Jesus story to tell? A testimony of God's love and grace for your life? 
I'd love to hear it. Write to me by visiting my website, jesusstories.info. Click on the Talk to Us tab. And let me encourage you to check out patreon.com for a Jesus Stories Extra. In this episode, I've selected three videos of stories by people who were affected by the actions of Susan Mendez, people who were saved from the German invasion of France. Yes, hearing these stories requires your financial support, but that can be provided for as little as $3 a month. Check out the links on our website, jesusstories.info. I'll have a new Jesus story for you in two weeks. Join me then for that story. Sweetest that ever was heard